Welcome to the Harmony Perspective, where we talk about real people facing real issues and the hope of a real Savior. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Harmony Perspective. We are so happy to have Pastor TJ back with us this week. Pastor TJ, what's been going on with you lately? Yeah, so I've had a lot going on this week, um, but I will say just a kind of a transition in my life lately here at the workplace in the church. We've brought on a new um, children's director and um, been able to work side by side with her kind of training and training up and, and teaching and showing her the ropes with the curriculums that we use for Wednesday nights and Sunday school stuff and uh, kind of getting her engaged with all the the, the teachers that are in place and the, the volunteers and see, letting her see the activities that's been going on. It's been cool to kind of see somebody come, to, you know, through the church, be, be a member of the church for so long, volunteer in certain roles and leadership positions, and now come on staff, uh, knowing that she's going to glorify God and everything that she does here. Um, and, and also bring just so much of an impact to the community dealing with the church and the children here. So just having all that going on this week, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, it's great having Karen on. She's such a blessing to the ministry. And enter our fearless leader over here, Pastor P-Rod. What's going on with you, brother? Yeah, I've been looking at the news, got my guns out, ready to go kick it with Kid Rock and shoot some beer cans. I think he's turning Baptist on us. Yeah, it's outrageous what's happening in the world these days. All the feels like every day you wake up to some news story that you feel like can't be beat tomorrow, and then we get surprised with another one. But that's really why we're here, right? Uh, it would be great if God saved us, if Jesus saved us, and then we just went to heaven. But he didn't. He leaves us here for his mission. And so that's why we are here, in order to speak truth into these places. Yeah, absolutely. I heard recently about... Uh, the use of the term being saved in that judgment hasn't happened yet. We're, we're not to that judgment day yet. So until that time comes or our time here on earth is up, this is the, this is what we're charged with living in every day. And yeah, we got work to do. That's right. So speaking of having work to do, um, we come into church and we often hear from both of you and others within the church about going out to where we live, work, play and learn into these places that we're, we're in these um, struggles of society and culture. Uh, a lot of things we talked about last episode. Let's start a little bit of a journey here um, through this episode and maybe some of the ones coming up. What does that mean as a member of the congregation to, to hear each of you say, take the gospel to where you live, work, play and learn? What does that really mean? What does that look like? Well, part of it is looking to the sovereignty of God. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so we firmly believe that God has saved each one of us, saved those that are listening if they are saved, saved our, our congregation members and put them in places where they can be strategically used for his mission, where they can begin to fight the battle. You call places where you live, work, plan, learn the battlegrounds of the spiritual warfare that exists all around us. There are those that are lost in the darkness of sin that need the truth of the gospel 
to break them out. They are hostages. They are prisoners of war. And they need us to come and show them the great rescuer in Jesus Christ. Some pretty strong language, spiritual warfare, battlegrounds. What do we? What does hostages, the Bible say? The hostages. Yeah, that's right. very strong. What do we see in the Bible? Where Where does that some of that come from? Yeah, Ephesians six uh, twelve through thirteen. Um, it says, "For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil in that day and having done uh, all, stand firm. And so you see it there that there's a lot of stuff that we see going on here physically in the world that's just chaotic, but underneath, undergirding all that is the the evil from kind of the, the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms that we see. And um, so as Patrick was talking about the battlegrounds, um, of, of the spiritual stuff that's there, we see it right there in God's Word. And I want to make clear in that, right, that Scripture is saying that the humans are not our enemies. They are not the ones that we're wrestling against. The sinful nature that lives within them, that is an enemy. The forces of the spiritual forces of darkness, Satan and his fallen demons, those are the ones that we are waging war against. And God, in his sovereignty, has directed our steps into places that we have influence, gospel influence that nobody else has. And so when we say live, work, play, and learn, those are the places where God has said, Jason, TJ, whomever's listening right now, this is where I want you to make war against the forces of evil. Okay, so if, if I'm hearing you correctly, I want to make sure this is, is really clear for, for the listeners. Where we're going, where we live, work, play, and learn, we're, we're talking about physical buildings, establishments, work, school, restaurants, whatever the case may be, we're interacting with human beings. But our battle, our conflict is not with that person. This is this conversation, these battlegrounds exist at a deeper level. Uh, absolutely. There, there is a supernatural realm that exists and where the forces of evil exert their authority and move. And you, you read in the Bible where where eyes of people are open to see that at times. And we just have to accept it as the reality that we live in, that those that are walking in flesh are not our enemies, that they are those that are under the control of our enemies. And so we have to see them as those that need to be rescued out of the kingdom of darkness as we have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. Because when we make, it's easy, right? It's easy to say, that's my enemy because I see them and I see them doing wrong. And we can't see the force that's guiding that. But we have to look at them and say, but for the grace of God, that is me. And so with that distinction being made, TJ, that scripture you just read talks about putting on the whole armor of God. This is not us grabbing our helmet, you know, and, exactly. and suiting up for war in the physical sense. Um, the, that armor that the scripture is talking about is also in that spiritual realm. That's right. It, it's, I mean, 
we hear it all the time from a, kind of a churchy answer, but it starts with prayer, right? I mean, when we when we go to prayer, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today, actually, and uh, they said that they they heard me pause and sigh before I prayed, and and they were wondering why I did that, and it's really me disconnecting from all the physical junk that I see going on, and me connecting with who I'm talking to, understanding who I'm speaking with, knowing that it's not of the physical here and now, but it is more so of the spiritual um, that that I'm speaking with God in that moment. Uh, I'm visualizing maybe that salvation moment in my life that that I had at 13 years old, and God saving me, or maybe I'm visualizing Jesus on the cross. But I'm doing something. In that moment that's, that's helping me connect with God on a spiritual level, right? And so I'm praying, knowing and expecting God to move and work in a spiritual way. Um, and it goes much deeper than strapping a gun to my hip for protection, but praying first, seeking God, seeking the kingdom, which is a, a spiritual thing. It's a heavenly realm, right? So it it's, it goes much deeper than the, the physical protection that we often run to seek right and I, I even spoke to our children last night in our Wednesday night services and, and, and challenged them none of them had brought their Bibles like maybe one of them had brought their Bibles in this group that I was talking to and um, I asked them if they knew what the Bible was and, and uh, Ephesians 6 tells us that the Bible the Word of God is the sword of the spirit mm. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And I said, hey, if a, if a soldier back in medieval times went out into a battle without their sword, what's going to happen to them? Boy's going to lose his head, ain't they, he? They're going to die, right? You're going to get killed. And, and that's not what we want. And, and then I told them that in most instances, the sword was not an offensive weapon, but a defensive weapon, that it's used to parry and it's used to, to stand against those attacks that are coming. There are times where it is used offensively, but for the most part, we, when we say sword, we're using it as a weapon to, to beat down the attacks of the enemies. Uh, and, and that's what we, we don't want to use the Word of God. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so when it's spoken, it's going to cut through the darkness and, and reveal the, the sin that is in people's lives. But we don't have to hit them with it to do it, right? That's right. Yeah, I don't think it has to be. Um, I think whenever, like, we try to do that, we're trying to do it. It's more of an emotional pull versus the, the truth of God working in a spiritual form, right? So that's right. Allow God's word to work as God's word, and us just to be the vessels that carry it. But you know, the kids didn't have their Bibles. But like, how many of us walk around every day and? Uh, we don't know enough of the Word of God to even use it to, to beat back the attacks that come. You think about Jesus um, kind of going into the desert, right? It, he used Scripture as his defense every time Satan came to him, right? So, yeah. and, and in these battlegrounds that we go to where we live, work, play, and learn, we have to take our sword with us. Right, I love a trip lease on Kevin and Manolo because he he talks about the fact he calls it keeps it like a gun, right? And he says, "I keep one in the car and I got two at home." Right? <laughs> and he's always ready with the word of God, 
to, to help defend and to help set free those that are captive to sin. So we've laid some pretty important groundwork here around the distinction between the physical versus let's call it the supernatural realm when it comes to spiritual warfare and uh, some distinctions in where we live, work, play, and learn. If that's the case, then what are our battlegrounds? Yeah, I, I think any place that we go where, where God is, has sovereignly put us. So the, the cubicle or the, the lunchroom or the um, gym that you go to or, uh, and, and especially the house that you live in, those are the places where we must, as those that have been blood-bought, be warriors for Christ. We have to stand for truth, and we've got to understand the battles that are going on. We've got to look and and be perceptive to the attacks that come because our enemy is a deceiver, and he is very good at disguising attacks. And, and so they exist, and it's all sorts of things that exist. Like in your neighborhood, you know, it's the, or, or in our neighborhoods, it's the media, it's the laws, it's the, the government, it's those sorts of places where we need to exert gospel influence. And in our workplaces, it's the, the, the policies, and it's those that, uh, we may be the only believer in that workplace. And, and so it's all those around us that are under uh, the, the um, control of Satan. They need us to stand there with the sword. And it's, you know, in those places that we go and have recreation, like there's a lot of darkness that, that is everywhere uh, that we go that God calls us to, that God puts us in. And it, it, it's intentional because he has put us there as that warrior with the the word, the sword, that we can speak it into the lives of those that are there. The offensive-defensive thing, I, for some reason, I keep coming back to that. That one resonated because he talked about the battlegrounds, and, and that's where we where God's placed us. <clears throat> Does that mean we're on the defensive or offensive? Going into enemy territory, or is God placing us there you know, though we may be in a more defensive posture, being ready to give a defense for our faith, we're kind of in enemy territory because mm-hmm. here we're in the world, not of the world. But does that make sense? I mean, help me understand that because I'm in my mind, I'm not able to make that make sense. That's yeah, I, and it's both, right? So that's that's where we had to come down. We are in enemy territory, and the attacks are coming at us. But at the same time, we're pushing forward to try and take back enemy territory. And so there's an offensive part, but there's also the defensive. So, And I think about it almost as a sense. Um, you almost have, talking about enemy territories and that line, that mindset, makes me think about like um, almost prisoners of war, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like we've been set here to go find those prisoners of war, which is everybody around us. Mm. Um, and and you look at the redemption story, it, we're rescuing, not we, but be, we're being used to rescue these prisoners of war. There's almost a sense of that in there. So having a little better understanding of 
walking out of the church and into where we live, work, play, and learn, and a little better understanding of what that means, understanding that those are battlegrounds, that we are engaging in spiritual warfare in a, a bit of a hybrid offensive-defensive um, scenario. What is the church's role in that? I think you got to ask the question there, too, is which church, right, or which part of the church at least? Is this the congregation's role that you're asking, or is it the the kind of the institutional part? Is it the the leadership church part? Um, I think you could ask it for both. I mean, what, what do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I think the the church members, so the people that make up the church, their role is to be uh, the foot soldiers, right? Those warriors that have been dispersed by God into these areas, these onto these different battlegrounds. But then the church as an institution, the uh, leadership of the church. What what used to happen is everybody sat in church and got all of their truth. So everything that they got from the Word of God either from the Bible directly or from the pastor at the church and from Sunday school. And so it all fed into that filter, and then it poured out onto the congregation. Well, now a lot of what happens is uh, we see all of these different avenues for truth. And so you've got social media and uh, YouTube, and you've got um blogs and podcasts. And so they're just inundated with all this information in the church now, in many ways, to help them become the warriors they need to be, it is helping them filter out what is the truth and who should they be listening to? Who should they be training under? You know, like a, a master swordsman would pick somebody and train under them. They, uh, they would want to be like their mentor. They would learn all these things from them. We have to help people understand who is really worth being trained by. Hmm. And, and so if there's uh, there's pastors or blogs or something that leads away from the truth, we our role now is to say, watch out. For sure. Right. So as a member of the congregation here in the local church, I'll turn that question back to the Four Walls Church, uh, us as a, a local church body, an observation. Patrick, I, I hear you make an altar call every Sunday. And I don't remember the last time that I saw someone who's not already a church member make a trip to the altar. Um, so it raises a question for me when we've, we've walked through um, understanding that the people that we're interacting with they're not the enemy. They're not the um, target of what we're called to go and defend against or maybe go on the offense against, that it's it's more at a spiritual level. What does it look like then if, how do I engage with that person? Meaning there's going to be some judgment if I take a person who's living openly in sin and maybe as simply even have a conversation with them, much less engage them in a level that I say, you know, come to my house, go to dinner, something like that, where we're trying to build that relationship. Once we understand we do love that person while we hate the sin that, that's in their life. 
I feel like that's a big gap that we've got to to fill. That's a bridge we got to cross for that to be different, for us to see more of those people coming to church on Sunday and being there to respond to the altar call that you're making. Absolutely. The, the church members, myself and all those that, that call themselves members of Harmony Baptist, the, the effort is on us. That is for us to be the ones to go out and engage those that are far from God. And that does not mean that we say, hey, you're a wicked sinner and we, we don't want to be around you or we just want to tell you that and then leave. We have to build relationships. Jesus walked with those that were far from God. He, he sat down with them and brought God near to them. And that is what we have to do. No matter where they are on the our scale of sinfulness, right? We sit down with them and we listen and we talk and we share and we we get the right in that and we understand how to share that truth with them. And then we certainly don't worry about what others are going to think because we we have engaged with them because. Uh, when we bring God into the presence of sinners, we look a lot like Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, and so as we get ready to close on this podcast, um, we want you as the listener just kind of think about who you need to bring the gospel to. So where wherever you live, work, play, or learn, what does it look like? And there's a, a neat little tool um, that uh, I come across a couple of years ago. It's called My Jerusalem, and um, it's kind of a chart uh, if you will, but from left to right, it kind of goes with um, family, neighbors, workplace, and then on the far right would be hobbies or people that you do recreational things with. And so under family, you put some of the closest people that you that you kind of hang out with within your family, you know, in any given week. And, and so you just kind of list those people off. And then you do the same for your neighbors, you do the same for your workplace, and you do the same for your hobbies. And you look at those people that you're in constant contact with in all of those areas. And, and you put a mark by the people that you have had conversations with, and you know they're connected to God. You know they're saved. You've heard their salvation story. Have you seen their fruit, the fruits in their life? And, and and you just put a mark by them so you know where, they, that where they're at. And then you put another mark with somebody that maybe you're not sure, maybe you haven't had that conversation with yet, or maybe you don't see the fruits, but um, you've had conversation, they go to church, you're just not quite sure where they are, and you put a mark by them so that you can kind of gauge the conversation that you need to have with them. And then you circle the names that you're for sure maybe far from God, the, the ones that— uh, don't go to church, don't claim God to be their Savior, there's no fruits in their life whatsoever. And, and and I'd hate to use the word target almost, but you target them for the sake of the rest of our podcast that we've talked about. Um, and you say, these are the people that I can go to that are where I live, work, play, and learn, and I can share the gospel with, that I can. I, I don't worry about what other people are going to think, and I just go outside of my comfort zone. I share the gospel with them, and and I do my part. I know God's doing his part, and I pray for their part to be done. That's a great tie back to the last episode. That was a big part of what we talked about, that in the end it's important to remember that not only are we judging 
the sin, not the sinner. That's our, our, our perspective there is not any sort of judgment towards that person. Um, but it's also knowing that this isn't all on us. We, we've been charged with our part, but indeed there is still, it is God in the end who will convict, not, not us. And, and it's great to look and see, this is who I'm fighting for. Absolutely. Right. These are the people. These are people I know, people I'm, I, I love, and, and they are worth fighting for. But it, what, what made you... Go ahead. <laughs> what you just said triggered a thought for me. I am fighting against the principality for the person I love. I think that's awesome. That's exactly what I was going to say. That it hit me. We're fighting for the person out of love against uh, the sin, right? So, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's an exclamation point on it right there. That's <laughs> right. Man, uh, so we got into some new territory today on some spiritual warfare, and I, I think battlegrounds would be a good way to to encapsulate this conversation, and and I believe that this has some value over the next several episodes, and we'll get into some more detail on what some of those battlegrounds are and how we engage in those battlegrounds. Absolutely. Yeah. And... As always, we love having you here with us on the Harmony Perspective. Thank you for joining us. The show notes will have contact information, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks as always. We love you. See you. Have a great day, everybody.